Today on the Game Zone Podcast, I'm joined by Rob Reese to recap episodes 3 and 4 of The Last Dance on ESPN. It's a good one. We also get into some other topics just, you know, about the difference between the modern day NBA and the 80s and 90s. In other news, the GameSpoon Podcast is a new up- upload schedule of Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays. Let's get to the pod. Back on the podcast with Rob Reese, recapping episodes three and four of The Last Dance. Rob, initial thoughts? Uh, like like always, good stuff, man. Really good stuff. Great insight, and good to go back. So you were um, you were really excited for the Robin episode. So <laughs> your expectations were probably pretty high going in. Mm-hmm. Did they exceed the expectations? Uh, I don't think they've exceeded them because a lot of that stuff was... I've read, you know, the book as bad as I want to be and a couple other uh, biographies about Dennis. So a lot of that stuff I knew, but it was, I think it was interesting to see his teammates' reactions and also uh, Phil Jackson. Phil Jackson's story probably stood out to me as the best. Yeah, I would agree. I would agree. I thought I learned a lot about Phil Jackson that I didn't know before. Um, And not to say Dennis's episode wasn't good in its own right, but... I just felt like most of the stuff they said about Dennis, other than the 48 hours that we'll get to <laughs> later, I pretty much knew most of it. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't feel like there was you know, much more that he could have gone into. Although there is... there's, and we'll, You want to talk about 48 hours right now? Sure. Did you know about that? Yes. You knew about... Mm-hmm. Was there anything new that you learned about it? Um, Any details? I, I, I knew around that time Carmen Electra had come into the scene, <laughs> but um, I didn't know that you know she's pretty much with him and Michael Jordan's yeah. kicking down the door and she's <laughs> hiding in a closet. I'm like, oh my gosh, wow. <laughs> that was one of the things that stood out to me is you're not – Michael Jordan himself came to find Dennis Robin <laughs> in Vegas to get him to come to practice. That's not something you see but any other superstar. No. You, you definitely wouldn't see that nowadays with somebody like LeBron. But that definitely stood out to me as something I didn't know. But I thought just that whole thing was crazy to think about. And as much, I don't want to be a downer about it, but it actually kind of made me have a different percep- perception on Robin that he's more of a me first guy. Mm-hmm. Um, just the fact that he would take off 48 hours. Not, I mean, he came back and gave it his all, but just the fact that he thought he was entitled to leave the team for 48 hours to take a vacation. What do you think about that? Have reading it and yeah, um, I, I would definitely say Dennis does beat to the sound of a different drum. Uh, now he wasn't supposed to pick up on a on a scoring load, but he was asked to do a little bit more when Scotty was down. And Dennis just is different, and he, he, you know, Jordan. Let's be honest, he plays golf all the time, even during the season. And there are records showing tons of records, even his own teammates that during. USA basketball, that dude had quite the nightlife. And so Dennis had to do something that just kind of got his mind off it, and and that, that's what he did. And everybody on the documentary was just like, that was the Dennis we needed. He just yeah. needed to step away for a minute. And sometimes that's why I think Jordan did his first retirement, because of all the expectations on him and all that stuff. I think he just needed to step away for just a minute and yeah. then come back. 
I could see that, and it seemed like it definitely helped him out. Yeah. Um, you know, who knows? We can't go back in time and see, but if he doesn't take that 48 hours, how that alters the future mm-hmm. of their success. But, I mean, I, obviously it's what he needed. I think it's also a test, too, because Rodman was always that kind of – he's that kid that always wants to push the bounds. And will dad let me – does dad trust me? And – Realistically, because Jordan alluded that you know he came to his room and he never said sorry, but it was his way of saying sorry. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, hey, do you have a cigar? And let's just hang for a minute because Dennis never does that. Uh, I just think that it was a subtle thing from Dennis. Is you know, does Dad trust me? Can I go out and play? And will Dad trust me? Will the will my brothers be there for me? And because he because he had a very tight bond with Detroit, and mm-hmm. the the documentary was very clear that uh, Chuck Daly was a father figure to him. Yeah. And, uh, the book explains way better about his depression on how this team, this Pistons team, was so tightly knit. And um, Isaiah Thomas did a great job on making sure that everybody was like a gang. Yeah. And everybody is out to for, for your protection. We're here for you. And then all of a sudden, management starts shipping people out and trading people away. And then the, the, the glue daily's gone. And yeah. he almost killed himself, you know? And I mean, he's he's accountable for his own actions but that takes a big toll on him because he did not grow up with a dad and his mom kicked him out of his house when he was 18 and so he does not know what a suitable house life is when he went to college he lived with a farm family yeah you know a bunch of white people and and (laughs) you know and he learned family values there too but his upbringing was very different than ours oh yeah absolutely and you know that that really is a tribute to his success i think Mm -hmm. just that driving force that you know, he really was a one-of-one one when we're talking about basketball, you know. Yeah. As modern-day people, a unicorn, yeah. really. Like, you're Absolutely. never going to see anything like Dennis Rodman again. No. You know, like, one of the best rebounders ever at his size and stature. It's unbelievable. And no matter how much somebody can, you know, diss his personal life or how he was off the court, he's an absolutely freak of nature on yeah. the basketball court. I mean, I thought I, – something I didn't know before I listened to the documentary that I thought was um, – really cool that you really have not I've never seen or heard any any other player talk about was how he would go in the gym you know in the middle of the night sometimes tell somebody to come up and just shoot so he could literally just you know predict where the ball and learn where the ball is going to go off the rim with certain spin and uh, certain you know velocities from different angles and all that that's ridiculous that he was able to do that and you know that's probably one of the the factors of him, you know, being at his size, he was he wasn't even like a big guy for being, you know, no. six six eight six seven. Mm-hmm. You know, he was a skinny guy, and he was still able to rebound over these, you know, these much bigger players because as soon as the ball is up, he knows exactly where it's going to be. Yep. Um, and, and that's so, why he got the nickname the Worm. Yeah, you're, it's so. I mean, did, so I'm guessing you already knew about the. The whole rim stuff and yeah, that was covered in a Sports Illustrated okay. cover and yeah, it it is it's just fascinating that that's that's a that's a replay that mm-hmm. you really I mean yeah I mean it, and it makes sense now, but back then it was just like wait is that is that legit <laughs> yeah but yeah I mean you're right because you know him being six seven six eight uh, being in Denver I grew up and we had Mutombo. He's mm-hmm. seven foot two. Shaq was seven foot. Elijah won seven foot. You know, I mean, these, these are big guys, and he's yeah. out rebounding them. Yeah, <laughs> it's incredible. It really is. But I mean, like, and then it actually reminded me of something that Kyrie said in an interview that he does to practice his finishing and ability around the hoop. Is 
he would just throw the ball from the three-point line, and wherever it bounces and wherever it stays, he goes to the ball, and without jumping or moving his feet, he tries to put the correct amount of spin on the ball to where wherever it hits on the backboard, it's going to go in. Oh, wow. That is, you know, and you can definitely see that that, it works in games because he makes the most ridiculous shots where you're like, how, how in the heck did he make that go in? You know, or reverse layups where he's putting it at the very corner of the backboard and it's going in, you know. Um, or Allen Iverson dribbling a football. Yeah. You know, those three. That's crazy muscle memory. For yeah, sure. really. For sure. So just, you know, things like that where, you know, when this is your life, you've got to find different ways to practice and different ways to take your game to the next level. Yeah. And so, obviously, Rodman, like, that is that is a very advanced way of practicing. Yeah. More than just learning to box out and grab it off the rim and stuff like that. Um, and since he was shorter than most of the players he's rebounding against, he had to work harder and find new ways to get the rebounds. You know, if you're tall, you're not, you're not, if you're Shaq, you're not, I, you can't convince me, no matter what a seven-foot beast is telling you that he's in the gym doing that. Right. You know, it's just... They're able to do it just because of their force and height, and you know that's what they've been doing all their lives. But they're not putting in extra rebounding work. Right. I I I'm bummed because I think Rodman was alluding to it, and I don't think they ever finished it. Um, and I think people at young younger basketball players need to hear it. But he came out of Oklahoma State or Oklahoma, wherever. What I don't remember the college, but he came out of there averaging twenty three or twenty four points a game. He was an offensive threat mm. comes to the Pistons and he's not playing a lot and he's looking down the bench and he recalls going all these guys came from somewhere and they were scorers and they're worried about keeping a job and he's like I got to do something different mm-hmm. and that's where the whole defensive thing like I could bring something else to the table and I just think that that's fascinating and then it got to that point where now I'm seeing the spin on a ball but for him to make that it's it's just like Phil Jackson coming to Michael Jordan going, hey, I know you're the, the, the face of this and you're the scoring champion and everything, but we need to take the ball out of your hands. Yeah. I mean, those two things are critically like, say what? Mm-hmm. You, you've been scoring 23 points a game, Rodman, and you're going to focus more on defense and rebounding? That's, that's entirely different. And then same thing with Phil Jackson. Michael, you've got to trust the people around you to score, not just you. Yeah. That's, that's, that, that changes everything. Yeah, it really does. And I think that... Just the bonds that Rodman was able to have with the Pistons and the Bulls really shaped his career. Yeah. Um, because, you know, if you compare the Spurs and the Bulls, his stints with both of them, he was a completely different player with the Spurs. You know, there wasn't somebody like Michael Jordan to keep him in line and, you know, keep him focused. Like, you know, what is David Robinson going to do? He's not, he's not this voice that's going to keep him under control and stuff. And, uh, you know, so he, he really did need that bond with his teammates – um, to keep him going, yeah. Really to form him, shape him out to be the player that he's going to be. That's why you see, you know, certain players today succeed in different organizations, and you know they don't. And others, players like Jimmy Butler, who really need that type of bond with their players. Yep. Um, you know, instantly comes to the Heat. Has we've already known he has a tremendous bond with Tyler Hero. You know, players like that that just feed off of the culture of the organization rather than just winning games. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, obviously the culture wasn't there in Minnesota. Um, it definitely wasn't there in Philly. Um, that's a different topic. Philly is just a mess of an organization <laughs> right now, <laughs> yeah. despite all the talent on their roster. But, you know, that's just 
that's something that I feel like was really lost in the past was just the family-like culture of the teams. You know, nowadays, it really is more of a business. And, I mean, I know it was still a business back then, but that's also why you see players jumping from team to team every other season is because there's really no bond and no glue holding the teams together nowadays. And, I mean, the teams that do have that are are the ones winning championships, Mm -hmm. like the Warriors. You know, I I listen to a podcast with – the uh, with uh, Woj with Bob Myers, the owner of the Warriors, and Draymond Green, just talking about the culture and how they're Bob Myers and Draymond are really good friends off the court. You know, you saw um, stuff like that with Phil Jackson. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, um, with Michael Jordan and Dennis and just stuff like that. Chuck Daly with his players, and I feel like that is one of the secrets. And Bill Simmons alludes to that in uh, the book of basketball. That's one of the secrets of having a championship winning organization is the off the court stuff. Yeah. Just the bond between the teammates and the coaches. Um, and I just really wish we could see more of that in the modern day NBA. It has changed. It's definitely the players versus the, the league. And that, yeah. and it's sad because mm-hmm. you lose and I think that's what college basketball as we're losing all these great talented players, you know, because they get to the one and dones and then they're leaving. Um, you're we're losing that like that dynasty talk anymore yeah there's barely any dynasty talks because that it's it's the players versus the association Mm -hmm. and it becomes more business than than that for sure yeah absolutely and then you know it it also comes from you know like dennis robin we heard him say in the documentary and i thought it was really cool how he said you know i would play this game for free much like if you pay me you know that's a bonus Mm -hmm. i feel like nowadays you there's nobody in the league that would say that no. You know, other than just a few, but just people, players in the modern day NBA feel like they're almost entitled to that lifestyle and, you know, getting whatever they want in the league and not just focusing on the privilege that they have to play basketball for their job. Right. Um, yeah. Yeah, Robin got a bad. Okay, so Robin comes to San Antonio and they win 62 games. They're the first seed in the Western Conference. They get embarrassed by Houston. Rodman, I think, is averaging 17, 16 or 17 boards a game. Everybody's doing their job, and Robinson gets taken to school by Elijah Warren. Rodman is first to come out and go, you gave this guy a huge contract. He didn't show up. You know, and he called out David Robinson. And I understand that's your marquee guy and everything, and that doesn't go well, but that's, that's the difference between David Robinson and Michael Jordan, even though I have tremendous respect for Robinson. Mm-hmm. Robinson didn't take the leadership role of going, yeah, Elijah Wan dominated me and we need to get in the gym. And you know, he, he didn't want to take that criticism, it seemed yeah. like. And Robin was very big on that. And he was very animated on the court as well. But there was that Jordan is a better leader. Mm-hmm. And, oh, and, and Lucas, the coach for San Antonio, compared to Phil Jackson, it's very, very different. Mm-hmm. It was very, very different. And so Robin looks at all these guys that are getting paid millions of dollars, and he's just like, you're not even doing your job. You're not doing what you're getting paid to do. Yeah. And so you have Robin and Pippen who are making chump change, mm-hmm. and they're first and second team, all defensive, all <laughs> offensive players, all-stars, whatever, and they're looking at this product, and it's just going sour. He's yeah. doing it for the money. Yeah, without a doubt. And, I mean, you know, that's, that's another thing that just separates, and I don't want to turn this into a LeBron versus Jordan debate, yeah. but – that's another thing that separates, you know, MJ and LeBron. Just it feels like Le- LeBron really like any team that he's ever been with. The only team where I would say it really seems like 
they're they really are a team, and he is a part of that group. Was the Heat with Dwayne Wade? Absolutely. When he was with the Cavs, and even now with the Lakers, it seems like it's it really is the players and then LeBron. Like he's really not a part of that same group, and maybe that's because he's just such a, you know, different type of player and different type of, you know, presence for a team and organization. But you could say the same for Michael Jordan, but he was. You know, he went to a hotel to get Dennis Rodman to come to practice. <laughs> you know, he was very much a part of them and a part of that brotherhood. And I feel like that is one of, like I was alluding to, and that one of the things that led to their success was just the off-the-court friendship and family-like culture that LeBron is really missing in his career. Yeah. You know, if he, it, really, it always seemed like there was something between him and Kyrie. Um, and I would say right now there doesn't seem like there's anything with him and Anthony Davis, but that could be potentially because Anthony Davis is as good as him, if not better. Mm-hmm. You know, he doesn't see him as like this son figure like right. he did with Tyree. So I don't know. I just I just wanted to point out that that's one of the major differences between Jordan and LeBron is just how they how they looked at their team and their surroundings, and I think that really is one of the deciding factors in how different they are. Yeah. Well. You know, if we're basing it off the sh- the, the movie, the, sh- the show last night, they lost against Detroit. It was the first thing Jordan does. We're going to the gym. We're not going on summer mm-hmm. vacation. And I remember when, I forget who the Celtics lost to. I don't know if they lost to the Lakers or if it was Houston. Um, but the the very next week, Larry Bird is, he's running the stands. And everybody sees that and they're like, well, and Larry for that year was was recorded as being the first to practice and the last to leave. Yeah, I mean that's leadership. I and, and yeah. I don't want to dog LeBron, but you don't hear stories like that yeah. where you're like, "Hey, well, I'm invested to this big overall thing, and you should come along with me." And everyone's like, "Well, if the, the main dude's doing this, <laughs> I can't just sit here and not." Yeah. So yeah, LeBron in that situation after getting beat is probably looking to leave. Yeah, or ship looking players to out to get new players. Yeah, or get on a banana boat with Chris Paul. <laughs> 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 Yeah, exactly. Exactly. You just, uh, I don't know. I just don't think that's one thing that he really gets is that he needs to embrace the players that he has. You know, he's all, every other year he's looking for new players. Yeah. Um, and, we'll, you know, if they, if they, I'm hoping that they do have the playoffs this year, but if they don't end up winning, I could very well see their team have a very new look to them next year. Whereas if they just kept the same team and built around AD and LeBron, that they'd have a better chance of winning. Yeah. Um, I don't know. It just seems like LeBron always has somebody else to blame. And I don't know if that's just the media creating that. You know, something that really wasn't as um, relevant in the Jordan era was the media, like, creating all these stories and stuff. Yeah. But I don't know. I just – I feel like I feel like Jordan – I mean, I don't feel like I know. In, when, he was, when he was with the, um, the Bulls and after they lost to the Pistons for the second time, he's, he's with those guys more than ever. You know, we got to come back next year and beat them, and they ended up doing it, and then they, you know, won six championships afterwards. Um, it probably would have been seven if Pippen didn't have a migraine. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna say they would have, but yeah. it definitely would have been a, a factor <laughs> if he doesn't have a migraine in Game Seven. Um, so yeah, I just feel like you know he was rewarded for sticking with the team that he had and building around them, and they ended up being the, probably the greatest dynasty in sports history. Yeah, and still winning more than 60 games and being one of the oldest teams in the league. Yeah, really. Yeah, really. But, uh, yeah, I want to talk about um, 
just how and I, if you don't mind, I want to talk about the Bad Boy Pistons a little bit. They okay. were the documentary. Yeah. So in your eyes, where do you think they rank? And not not I don't want like a specific top ten list, but where do you think they rank with like the best teams of all time? Oh. Are they one of the top, like, are they in that upper echelon of the best teams ever? No. No? I, I, I don't think so. I, I definitely think they changed the game, but yeah. they, they, Bill Ambeer plays, he says it best, they, they were a bunch of basketball players, but they, they definitely brought a physical presence that no one else had, but to say all around, yeah, like this, this, is, this team versus this team, no. I mean, if, if, if you're bringing up a team, I'm like, okay, then I'll put the Pistons just to beat your team up. <laughs> that's it yeah. you know what I mean but if I'm talking like this if I'm talking the Golden State Warriors with KD against the 72 and 10 Bulls that's fascinating that's like yeah, yeah. I'm not going oh yeah I'm going to put the Pistons against the Golden State Warriors you're going to have a fight and it's, it's, it's not going to be basketball you know what I'm saying so yeah I would not I would maybe put them maybe in a top 12 possibly but just to say that it's yeah, I, and, and I say top 12 just because of the, them revolutionizing how the game had played. But yeah. when it comes just to deep talent and whatnot, uh, Isaiah was good. Joe mm-hmm. Dumars was good, too. But, they, uh, yeah. And obviously, Rodman came from there. But they just had a bunch of guys that were just very scrappy. Yeah. And they believed in the cause. And, I mean, for a team, they, they believed in their team. And Chuck Daly is a very good coach, for sure. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Absolutely. And. Um, yeah, I would, I would agree. Um, I think that they really did come in the perfect time. They came right at the end of Jordan, uh, sorry, not Jordan, uh, Bird and Magic, and they came right before Jordan and Pippen. Yeah. You know, they were right in that in-between state, with, which I think really helped. I'm not saying they didn't deserve those titles by any means. And they could have won three um, the year before, but, yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't put them in the upper echelon of those teams. Uh, I would say they were one of the most iconic teams ever. Yes. Maybe not one of the most talented ever. Um, but definitely a team, like you said, just, you know, if you want to beat up a team, <laughs> yeah, the late 80s Pistons will uh, definitely do that for you. Uh, we're going to take our first break right now and talk about some more topics after the break. Do you ever think to yourself, there's no way I can get up this morning and go to the gym? There's no way I can get up and go through another eight hours of dreadful work. There's no way I can get up and go to school. There's no way I can get through this week, this month. If that's you, I'm here to tell you about FNX. FNX is committed to creating innovative supplements of the highest quality that provide focus for a productive morning, energy to thrive all day, performance supplements to reach new goals, unique sleep and recovery formulas to support any sport, and healthy supplements to support an active lifestyle for years to come. I know FNX's mission can suit anybody of any needs in life. So stop what you're doing right now, or actually, after you listen to this podcast, of course. Go check out FNX with the link in any one of my descriptions on any social media platform. That's Game 7 Podcast on any social media platform. There'll be a link there in my description for you. Use my code GAME7. Upon checkout to get 15% off any or 15% off any purchase. They're giving me an amazing opportunity to then share with you guys. Hope you take me up on it. Thanks. Okay, we're going to talk about now how Rodman would fit into today's modern NBA. What I mean by that is um, 
how his career would look different. And we're not talking about – I mean, we can talk about touch on individual teams you think he would fit well with, teams he definitely would not fit well with, and also just how his career would take a completely different shape given the, the, uh, the rules and just how not many teams have that same culture that, the, that he, his teams in the um, late 80s and 90s did have in the Pistons and the Bulls. Um, you want to go first or you want me to go first? Go ahead. You go okay, first. Okay, so I would say – one team, one team that I think he definitely would not work well with. Well, I won't say one team. Any team that LeBron is on, I don't think he succeeds <laughs> with. Because I don't think LeBron I – think Le, I think LeBron would make himself feel like he's above Rodman. I don't think Rodman would really, you know, feed off that. Like, I mean, I feel like Jordan did a great job of making himself feel like he, you know, he's, he's a part of them. He's, he's a part of that team, and, you know – and that's something that Rodman really appreciated and why he followed him. But if he was under somebody like LeBron, you know, who's who really plays more of like a, a coach and he's he's going to win it for us and he just needs them to do their jobs, I don't think Rodman would really um, appreciate that. Um, I, it's easier, I think it's easier to match him with players than teams just because the, the teams are always changing. I think a team that a, a player that he would really work well with would be Steph, though. Mm. And also Giannis, mm-hmm. those two players in particular. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so go ahead. I would definitely say that if Kerr was coach, definitely Dennis would. I think he would fit in. He would be that piece that because they've always and Draymond would still be there, you know whatnot. But he, Dennis would be that big man piece that they've always lacked. Yeah, because they, they've never had a solid like rebounder, and Draymond is, but he's not every day. He's not every game. So mm-hmm. yeah, I would say that Giannis, I definitely. Um, I would say if if I were to pick a team, and I, this might you know knock you off your your shoes, I would say he would play with Pop. Mm. Dennis just always did very good with with great basketball sound minds and people that cared about their their players and I, I for some reason Chuck Daly and and um, Phil Jackson were you know they were they weren't soft coaches at all and pop is pretty I think they would have run-ins but behind the scenes I, I I could see Dennis coming under that leadership I don't think pop would give him as much rope <laughs> yeah he's definitely not giving him 48 hours to do whatever no, he wants no, but, but there was there is something that I think Dennis would find attractive in that for sure yeah and do you think just overall you know you can put him in any situation you want you yeah. can put him with the Spurs if you want do you think he's a better player in today's NBA um, or a worse player or just about the same uh, I, I would more I, impactful I would say for any basketball era I would say because of how he has what he has brought to the game he would make a team better yeah. any team that he's ever been on has become better yeah statistically record wise they are better defensive wise his presence his defensive presence his rebounding presence and I would say his hard work now he is a, a cartoon character off the off the scene too but any team traditionally any team he's been on has been better. Even the Spurs, which was a very small time, they all their records, everything improved. Everything improved. And so, and when I forget what person said it in the in the show, but yes, Dennis could cover any position, any yeah. position, and he did throughout all of his years. He covered Michael. He covered Pippen. He's covered Shaq. <laughs> like you cannot deny that the man has covered everybody. 
And you don't want to say against LeBron, but I mean, Den and Dennis, that's, that was just his role. Just cover him, lock down. And a score is going to be a score, but Dennis is going to make a score work even harder to get the, the, that 30 points or, or whatever. So, For sure. For sure. I would agree. And I he doesn't have to have the ball. At all. At all. Um, he's going to, you know, I think he, even if in today's NBA, the fact that I guess the floor is so much more opened up. I think Dennis Rodman would actually have more potential to score more in today's league because he, you know, he wasn't the best outside shooter. Um, so, but I feel like he, you know, just like if he developed, and of course we're talking about hypotheticals because today's NBA is completely different. But I think, you know, if Rodman worked on developing like a little, a little floater or something like that, he could actually be, you know, somewhat of a decent score. Not obviously, I don't want anybody to think I'm comparing him to Zion in any way. <laughs> But maybe the same shot tendencies as Zion. Mm -hmm. um, kind of just like a, a short pull-up, you know, quick slashes to the rim, you know, or anything like, kind of like Draymond. I think he could develop that, um, you know, that's something he didn't really have in the 90s and the late 80s because, you know, back then the, the paint is so packed that yeah. there's not much room to do anything. Right. Um, so, yeah, we'll move from that. Um, and we'll talk about players that you think this is this we didn't talk about this. This is just something I thought of on the fly. Players that you think in today's modern NBA that could handle the bad boy pistons. It doesn't even matter if they're a role player or a star, just somebody <laughs> who mentally and physically could handle them. I would say uh if any, <laughs> I I would say, I would say Westbrook. He, he's always got this. I want to compete against anybody at any level, and if I can dunk on you or score on you, then I, I've got one up on you. Um, I actually didn't think about him, but that's a really good one. Yeah, I just say just because of his ferocity that he brings on the court. I would say. I don't know how he would hold up defensively, but I think he would love the offensive challenge. I think Harden would love the offensive challenge to, to try to score on that. Yeah. De definitely. Um, Is he able to? I think so. Yeah. I think of how he can create, um, especially his shot. Uh, and I'm not saying a layup, just his outside shot. Um, and Curry gets a lot of credit for just getting it off fast, but, but so does, I mean, Harden, it's, it is art on how he can get space and get it off so fast. Uh, it, it's crazy because he does a lot more isolation where uh, Curry gets more you know, high screens and whatnot and can mm -hmm. shoot it over that. So um, it would be very interesting if, if Giannis would. Yeah. It yeah. would be. I mean, I think it would be, it would be, a, it would be a classic battle. Um, I, I, I don't know. Because I, I was going to say this in our last deal, but I was going to say also I think um, Anthony Davis and Rodman would be a very good combo mm -hmm. as well. And, and, but I don't know if Anthony Davis would have that mental stability down low because, I mean, they would beat you up. Rick oh, Mahorn, yeah. Rick Mahorn would kick you in the nuts and wouldn't care <laughs> twice yeah. about it. I think, uh, what's uh, Oklahoma's uh, center? Steven uh, Adams. Yeah, I think, he, I think he would like that. I yeah. think Steven Adams would like it. <laughs> Going to Oklahoma City, what do you mean? What about Chris Paul? No. No? No. no. Physically or mentally or both? 
Uh, I think mentally he could. De- I think Chris Paul could take him mentally. I don't know, man. Isaiah and Joe Dumars, man, they were they were. I mean, Chris Paul is, you know, he can play bigger. I mean, he guarded KD in the playoffs. He did, and we're and still didn't win. <laughs> I <laughs> hate to be like that, that, man. <laughs> I hate to be like that, but um, I mean, I Chris Paul is a very good player. I just I I don't know. It, because the, the, the bad boys were very, very good mentally on, hey, man, if you dunked on us, that's okay. There's still 58 more minutes. Yeah. They were very good at not and, – and they learned from Jordan. You know, Jordan was scoring all kinds of points. And Isaiah, Joe Dumars, and Vinnie Johnson stayed up until 3 in the morning to try to figure out the Jordan rules. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's determination. And they got a game the next day. Yeah. And they figure out this master plan on how to shut down one of the greatest players. He's still going to score, but he has to work ex- so hard to get every point. Yeah. I, I just I, I don't know what player – because the game is more finesse. It's not like that anymore. Yeah. And, that's, and, and, and some people say, well, the, the stakes get a little bit better in the playoffs. Okay, but the Pistons were like that. That type of basketball was every week. Every game was very physical. Yeah. And so I, I don't know if they would be conditioned to – LeBron, I, I would say no. I mean, he had a hard enough time with Draymond Green. <laughs> he had a hard time with Draymond. And, yeah. and, dude, if you're upset that Draymond talked about your mom or something about your family, you have no idea. Let me introduce you to Bill Lambier and what he will do. You know, I mean, come on. And I'm not saying they're the villains and the bad guys, but that's their job. And that's what, like, Kevin Garnett, if we're going to get just an, another generation up – he, he was the worst trash talker. He yeah. didn't care what he said, but he's going to get in your mind. Gary Payton. <laughs> Yo, Gary Payton was great at that, too. And they backed it up with their play, but, man, their mouth would run, and it, it does something to people. Yeah. Especially if you're not having a good game. Like, defensively, if they're doing a good job locking you down and they're talking with that, yeah. it, makes it, it makes it harder Yeah, when really you're does. physical. And, and I don't know either, because I don't know if this defensive team, this – Detroit Pistons team would be able to hang. They, I think they would actually lose a lot of games because you can't hand check. You can't yeah. play defense like you can back then. And that's what they strived off of. Uh, a lot of those players said that, you know, we'd be kicked out of games if we yeah. did what we did in today's game. He's some of them, out of the league. Yeah. Some of them maybe once in a while got a flagrant foul. <laughs> once in a while. It was, maybe that's a technical. Maybe. And it was even questionable. You're like, wait, what? <laughs> and so I think that they would start getting physical, but they would be in foul trouble real quick. I think smart players like Curry's and, and Harden's and stuff would use that to their advantage because they can't check and they, they would get them in foul trouble. What about Kawhi? Oh, I'm talking about Kawhi. How do you think he would handle them? Um, I think he would be one of the best at it. Personally. I think he, because he, he comes from that stem of like a, a Scotty Pippen and whatnot, and, and I think his multi can, can play down low, play up. Yeah, I think he would he would break open the system too. Yeah, I, I don't think I don't, and I also don't think anybody's getting in Kawhi's head. No, yeah, that guy is that guy is an assassin for yeah. sure. He really he reminds me of you know not the um, I guess how he goes about with you know talking with his teammates and stuff, but he really reminds me of Kobe. Even with his how he plays too, yeah. Um, just like this assassin, but you, you know, you're not gonna get in his head. Um, and if you do talk trash, he's gonna kill you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, they both had like, you know, they both had iconic playoff performances. I mean, I don't know. I really like that comparison though. Oh yeah. Um, Kawhi and Kobe. 
you know, both just with the killer mid-range game, you know, short post game, um, but both also being able to extend it to the outside, underrated playmakers. Yeah. Um, and you really don't hear too many because most people don't really co- um, compare Kawhi to anybody in particular. And I've heard, I've heard Pippen before, um, but I, I think Kobe is a more accurate representation. Yeah, I, I, I don't think you put Kobe – naturally you don't put Kobe there because you, I think you look at – in this positionless league that we're in, you look at, at Kawhi more as like a, the small forward and you look at Kobe as more of a point guard, shooting guard, and it's a little bit different, but they're not. You know what I mean? And then yeah. also – you saw with Kobe, like you did Michael, there is that look of like venom. Yeah. And Kawhi, he'll just give you the same look. Yeah. You know, but but style of play, absolutely a style of play, and and when you say playmaker, yeah, I think both Kobe and Kawhi get underrated a lot about this. Is that they are very good passers. Yeah. Very really. good passers. One of the the, the one year that uh, uh, they won and they beat uh, the Miami Heat. Mm-hmm. I mean, he was defensive specialist and and passing it off and I mean that team really passed well but he didn't have such big offensive explosions like he does now you yeah know? but but he his role was to guard uh, especially LeBron I mean he, that was, he took that assignment as a rookie yeah he took that assignment and took it well and and to be as a rookie to guard the best yeah that's pretty that, that says a lot about and to Kawhi. keep your mental cool yeah and when you be finals MVP yeah you know a star was born yeah, absolutely. Um, but yeah, and I would say, um, just you talking about the Spurs and the Heat in the finals made me come back to the um, the whole Jordan rules thing. What do you? I think that it would be really cool to get some insight on that Mavericks Heat series because Mark Cuban <laughs> talks about how they did not not like the LeBron rules, mm-hmm. but they really did have a scheme going forward that shut him down. Yeah. You know, it's very comparable just because the Mavericks, you know, with the Pistons, they don't, they didn't have all the talent in the world. Right. Um, you know, they had Dirk, and then really there's not too many other players that most casual NBA fans could name on that team. Yeah. But if you look at the stats, LeBron was absolutely shut down mm-hmm. in that series, and he was exposed to an extent. Yeah, and, you know, I don't want to rain on this parade, but there, this is one of my biggest arguments is Jason Terry. <laughs> Jason Terry averaged almost 18 points a game, and that's who was LeBron was guarding. And when you got in LeBron, it was like he he was not the same player. He was not the same player. He he was not this mega superstar guy. And he's allowing Jason Terry, who's plays a good role. He's coming off the bench, yeah, for the Mavericks, and he's <laughs> averaging 18 a game. I mean, like, I remember hearing the announcer going, yeah, Jason Terry, he's averaging 18 points a game. You're like, what? <laughs> Are you kidding? Uh, um, yeah, that, that definitely just it resonates for sure. Mm-hmm. About just, yeah, getting in, in his head and, and having schemes and stuff like that. So, Yeah, I just remember Mark Cuban going on first take and absolutely exposing Skip Bayless <laughs> on the topic. Yes. Um, always good to see Skip Bayless exposed. <laughs> <laughs> Skip knows everything. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I just – and that gives you a whole new appreciation, unless you're a LeBron fan, yep. for the Mavericks in that year, and Dirk especially. You know, that really – you know, that really changed his, you know, his legacy and how people looked at him. Like, you see 
in the book of basketball, Dirk is ranked significantly lower on the um, the list for greatest players of all time when Bill Simmons wrote the book in, I think, 2009. Mm-hmm. And then he just came out with a current podcast series, The Book of Basketball 2.0. Um, and Dirk is like, I think, 20 or 30 spots higher just because since then he beat LeBron in the finals. And that's really all it took. Yeah. You know, beating LeBron with a team like that. You know, people complain all the time about the, the teams that LeBron had. Mm-hmm. And Dirk did it with that Mavericks team, and you have not heard one complaint from him. No, no. That's, that's something that, that's the leadership that you need that's going to convert in any era of yeah. basketball. Yeah. Well, and, and, and LeBron was young, but, you know, I still remember in the tunnel they were making fun of Dirk because he was sick, and they were kind of coughing him and D-Wade or Chris Bosh. They were coughing and making fun of it in front of the press and whatnot, and it was just like, that could come back and bite you, and it sure did. And and to LeBron's credit, he has risen above that. He has grown up definitely in that role of, bro, don't don't make fun of a dude that he's sick and he he beat you, <laughs> he beat you. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I just want to get final thoughts on. We'll go back to the documentary. Final thoughts on the documentary, episode three and four, and also what you're looking forward to that they still have not talked about. You already said that you thought the uh, the Rodman episode was great, but you were expecting it to be great, so it didn't really exceed expectations. Um, I'm sure it was just fun to see more of an insight into him in those times. Um, was there anything that they didn't say or show that you wish they would have, knowing pretty much the whole story? Uh, it, it, I, I just, it, to watch more of that type of basketball against the, the Bulls and the Pistons, I just think that it was the, it was a lukewarm. Mm. Because, I mean, and, and, and they did show, and I get it, it's only an hour long, but, but again, I appreciated what they did with Phil Jackson, too. You know, I was just like, I never knew any of that about Phil, and yeah. the whole triangle, and how that all came to be, and then you would get rid of Doug Collins, who took you to the Eastern Conference Finals. Yeah, but you know, I mean, that that just blows my mind, and so I just I, I, to see Jordan as a prime time score, an elite score like what we see today, but to I don't know, maybe give a little bit more like yeah, but he had to look at other aspects of just besides just scoring. I think young players need to see that because it's such a such a shoot first league, and weightlifting, eating right, getting teammates involved. I just like like he had to overcome all those things because he could not do it by himself. And mm-hmm. the Pistons knew that's that was his mentality is he'll do it all himself. So hey, we're gonna make you pay for it, but we'll shut down Scotty then. We'll shut down everybody else. Yeah. You you can try to score your sixty three, but you're gonna have a headache doing it. We'll see if you can do that the rest of your life because you're human. Yeah. And so I just wish they would have brought more of that again because of it being such a shoot first league to see one of the greatest players go I have to I had to adjust yeah. to win it just had to yeah so. and you know also it's, it's very underrated the fact that you know Michael Jordan was the best player in the world at that time still and he is taking coaching advice from a first year coach that he wasn't even a fan of yeah that's right like the fact that he was that coachable you know, really speaks into the type of player and person he was, and it, you know it shaped his career. Mm-hmm. So, and that that's a very underrated thing, is the fact that he was able to take coaching from Phil Jackson, and you know, 
let him really transform that team into the team that they became. Yeah. Uh, so I really liked the I really liked what they did on Phil Jackson and just seeing more insight on him that I really didn't know. Yeah, I you can easily say well Phil had Michael, he had Shaq, he had Kobe, but to implement a system, I did not know the triangle was that old. <laughs> I had no idea the triangle offense was that old. And to take a player system with a Michael Jordan and Scottie Pippen, but then take that same system to LA with a Shaq and Kobe. Very different system, and yep. still win with that same type of offense and whatnot. That's very impressive. That's yeah, very impressive. Yeah, so. it really is. And it's, so, is there anything um, that you are looking forward to coming in the next? I guess in the next six episodes that we haven't seen yet. Uh, they 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 pulled the drama because I think it was brought up during All Star break. But I don't know. They did a good job of cliffhanging that. You know, uh, Kraus brought that out during the All-Star break, right before the All-Star break, and it was like, oh, gosh, that's jacked up. Yeah. How messed up is that? Um, I think we will see a new side of Michael, too, when it comes to Olympic basketball. That's going to be fun to go back. Um, me growing up and watching in 92 when they put that team together without Isaiah Thomas. Um, but, uh, you know, Coach Daly, uh, to his credit, too, he, he coached a bunch of amazing players, and... They just dominated the world. And so it's just going to be cool to see Michael in that sense, too. And they're going to talk about one of the greatest games Michael ever played. And that's yeah. with all those guys. And you can easily look that up on YouTube. But it will be good to see because they'll probably pull a couple players that haven't spoke into this. It'll yeah. be good to hear their, their side of it, too. So Yeah, I'm excited to hear some new voices. And, yeah, I'm really excited about that, too. I'm also – I also want to hear a little bit more. And I know they have a little bit with, like, the, the John Paxons and the – you know, those type of players. I actually want to hear more stories from the role players about, you know, the Michael and Scotty and them. Because, yeah. you know, they they can speak into it, Michael and Scotty, about what was going on. But seeing it from a role player's perspective, I think would be a whole different element. Hearing Horace Grant's side of yeah, it. Yeah, I really like well, that. That was really good. That was really interesting. I would say hearing Ron Harper. We have yet to hear Ron Harper really about bull stuff, but mm-hmm. his side of being the Cavs and how he wanted yep. to cover. And why would you put Craig Elo? <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I was like, dude, that's really good. And, yeah. and, you know, I mean, I'm not all for profanity and whatnot, but, man, last night there was just a lot of emotions. There you was. Could, you could tell a lot of emotions. Even Ron Harper was just like, Wait, you're gonna let him cover beep? You know, I mean, <laughs> he's still upset about that. Yeah. You know, I mean, there, there's just there was a lot in that. Definitely, it it did you know push the the blood a little faster through the veins. Yeah, for sure. Uh, so I hope you guys enjoyed uh, this week's podcast recap of episodes three and four of The Last Dance. We will hopefully be back next week recapping episodes five and six. If Rob is okay with it, let's do it. Okay, so. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, so I have a new upload schedule for the podcast. We're going to be putting out pods every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. Um, So I hope you guys enjoy that, and we will see you next week. See you.